Hello. Good evening, everybody. Hope you all can hear me okay. We're going to give people a little bit of a minute to get in here, then we'll get started. Hope you all have had a good week. Hope some of you were able to uh, join me for last week's class. And, uh, and I hope everything is going good with your families and all that. Weather's starting to change. It's getting weird. They're looking at seven inches of snow in Chicago by the end of the weekend. And then we were in the 80s, close to 90 the other day here. So I'll definitely be glad once we get closer to summertime. Hope it's great where you guys are. Well, we'll wait a couple minutes and let people, more people get in here. We've got a lot going on. And where I'm at, we're going to be, they've extended our lockdown, so uh, it looks like it's going to be about another two weeks for us. Tentatively, then after that, they'll assess the situation and what have you, because uh, where I'm at, we have one of the higher death rates for the state, and then also we have two gateway cities that have a lot of traffic, Kansas City and St. Louis. So if they continue to have large amounts of people, then we may, we may, the entire state may end up being extended uh, beyond May 3rd, but we'll see. I think they need to do everything that they can to make the situation as safe as possible, because if they jump the gun, it's going to hurt too many people. All right, we've got 23 people here showing up. Thank you guys for coming in tonight for tonight's class. This is Druid School number five. We're going to be talking about a lot of stuff here. Um, but before we do that, I want to take just a minute and start things out the right way, uh, the way we always do. So I just want to kind of just lean back, sit back in your chair or wherever you're at, and close your eyes. Take a deep breath, and what we're going to do is we're going to chant the Awen three times, and then we'll get started. May the blessings of mind, body, and spirit be yours. Yeah, if you hear any scrickling around my neighbors upstairs being a jerk. But that's just the way he normally is. And before we get started, as always with class, we're going to take just a minute and we're going to pour up 
some Sigma 7 and a little bit of Dr. Pepper. Okay, yeah, that'll do it. And grab whatever you want for your beverage. And hello, we've got 41 people here. It's good to see everybody tonight. Tell your friends about the classes and uh, uh, these are going to be as far as far as I can say for now. These things are going to be pretty much weekly, but after things kind of open back up, we'll have to play it by ear. But what I want to do is I want to do something at the end of the week like we are now on Thursdays, and then possibly keep doing something on Sundays, which we'll talk about at the end of this at the end of this session tonight. But uh, let me take a drink here. And tonight what we're going to be talking about is uh, before we, before we kind of adventure off into doing the things that we do in Druidic practice, we kind of need to look at ourselves uh, as individuals. And so we're going to be dealing with our sacred self here in a little bit. But the main thing that uh, a lot of people uh, have trouble with at the beginning of things is uh, there is a lot of confusion about the idea of elements and elemental systems and things uh, differential between uh, the ideas of what they've learned in Wicca and witchcraft and uh, other traditions and I will say that there are differences um, some of the main differences are that Wicca tends to have the, the have the five uh, element things set up where it goes along with the pinnacle where you have earth, air, fire, water, and spirit well within the uh, elemental systems that are kind of inherent with Druidry um, a lot of those are there but there's more there's a lot more and part of that system is called the Dwi'a and it's spelled D-U-I-L-L-E it's pronounced Dwi'a so L-E on the end is like a la anything with a G, like uh, uh, Gaelga that's the Irish language that's a G-E anything with the E on the end of it's kinda got a uh, sound so the Dwi'a and Dwi'a translates into leaf or oak leaf and it's one of the many leaves that are on a tree um, and we're going to look at the idea of uh, the um, way the elements are uh, administered and worked with within the tradition um, also we're going to look at the idea of the cauldrons which we'll get to here in just a little bit um, but also the idea of how these things work together. Um, one thing that I'll put out there too is also um, if you look at the way that these things are put forth um, in, in Druid spiritual tradition, there are uh, a lot of things that are magicized within it. As an example, um, there are a lot of things that are tied to uh, 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 sacred numbers, the idea of the numbers of three, six, nine, any derivation of uh, three. 
nines are very important, 21s are very important, uh, things like that. So a lot of the stuff that we're going to be talking about today are going to have um, uh, their own kind of distinct numerology. As an example, the three rays are a triplicity. Uh, um, uh, the gods, the gods and goddesses. There is the uh, triplicity of Bab, Maka, and Isis, and various other triple, triple goddesses and things within uh, uh, Irish Celtic, the Irish Celtic pantheon, and the way that it's worked. So there is a lot of underlying things that kind of tie it all together. So we're going to look at what we see as the classic elements and how it, um, thank you for that thumbs up, I appreciate it, um, how it kind of ties a little bit towards the Wicca sign. Um, so we'll put it this way, it won't be just so much as generalized towards Wicca, but towards a more standardized type of just general pagan practice, and then how it differentiates uh, within it. There are things that are A <laughs> time and two young kids. I hear you. Well, it's for now. It's like you know, like I'm saying, these classes are here. Like I've told people before at the beginning, uh, this is nothing. You know, for right now, we're not going super deep. But anything that we talk about in the Druid School classes are going to be stuff that points you in the right direction, kind of sends you in a way that you can find out for yourself and start applying it to your life. And that's what we're talking about today. Is how that how you can differentiate the elements so that you can kind of get a handle on what they are in your mind and how you can start working with them yourself within ritual and meditation and things like that and then how you can follow that study and go deeper because eventually down the line not necessarily now but further down the line what we are going to do is we are going to get deeper we're going to go into things that are you know that we haven't talked about but it kinda this is gonna give you a baseline um, there is the idea of earth air earth air fire water and spirit okay well within the ideas of the the Irish Celtic side of things um, as an example um, fire is not considered an element fire is its own thing fire is considered a spirit that is akin to a power that is resides alongside the abilities and kin of the gods. So what that means is, um, uh, and 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 this is one thing that kind of uh, uh, works against itself, but doesn't work against itself, is the idea that fire is a destroyer, but also fire is a uh, something that brings life. Um, after a fire um, in a forest. Um, once those things that have burned out that need to old dead trees and stumps and just all this underbrush that didn't need to be there once that stuff has burnt out it makes room and gives space and gives aeration and stuff for other things to come up in the soil and in the trees and it's just that cycle you know um, it's sad that we have all of these fires, but as an example of the, the idea of fire is look what happened here recently with uh, Australia. Millions and millions of acres burned, but, and it's just so sad, you know, with everything, with the kangaroos and the koalas and everything. But 
it's just that was just something that I just had a feeling that, you know, over the centuries was something that was going to happen because uh, the earth knows when it needs to take care of itself. And outside of something other than something is done out of spite, man-made, accidental, whatever you want to call it, that you're going to have that side of things where it's us that kind of sets that type of thing into motion. But when nature does it itself and then it kind of goes into that mode, um, you know, we can do what we can to, you know, uh, uh, adjudicate the devastation and kind of stop all of the, uh, uh, you know, the bad stuff that kind of happens with that, especially what happened in Australia. But then again, after that, when it was done and, and the rains came and everything kind of started to lessen and whatever, there were pictures that were starting to come in of areas that had been burnt out that were starting to show green again, that things were starting to, uh, that things were starting to come back. Like the chant says, chant says uh, she changes everything she touches. The goddess knows that, you know, the earth knows that, you know, sometimes things need to happen to cleanse out an area. And it's happened for centuries. It's happened before we even had, you know, how we are a modern world, you know, the way that we are now. These things have been going on since the beginning of time, since the beginning of this planet. There has been fire and devastation and things that have come into areas and basically, you know, done what it did to Australia. And for the most part, um, we've, we've managed to make a little bit of a dent in some of those now through the ideas of technology and things. But basically, even us as, as beings, the physical beings that we are on the planet, we, whenever it really comes down to it, there are going to be times that these type of situations are going to be things that we're not going to be able to mitigate so easily. Um, it's kind of sad, but it's true, you know. And we've seen it here in the United States with wildfires. You've seen it in uh, South America to an extent a little wee bit in certain spots of Canada at various times. But, um, and other places around the world. Um, but I think this, that's a way that the earth heals itself. So you have the idea that to the Celts and especially to the Irish Celts, that fire was something a little bit beyond the norm, beyond uh, everything else. So what we consider fire as a classical element, it's not. It's something completely different. Um, and then you have the idea of uh, the rest of the elements. You have air, water, and earth. And those are expressed in various modes uh, within uh, Celtic myth, Celtic, uh, Irish Celtic belief, and different things. As an example, um, the idea of the gods and their domains, the things that they rule over. As an example, the god Mananon. Mananon is the god of the seas, um, the waters and things. But then you look at where what he deals with in that vein, it's also the fact that uh, water is tied to spiritual, the, our spiritual side. Water is tied to the flow of our blood. Water is tied to um, uh, above the waves is a world and below the waves is another world. And Mananan is the keeper of the doorway to the other world, Ternamyod, Ternanog, and other places that are um, uh, delineated 
by various uh, myths and traditions. So you have the idea that there's water, that, that water is fluid and it's running and it's powerful. And then you have the idea of the earth and the idea of the earth and everything with that as an element is the fact that the entirety of this planet, the place that we live on, is an element of itself. Everything, all of the, the people, the animals, the mountains, the whole, <coughs> excuse me, the whole nine yards. So you have that. Um, and then uh, you have the idea of the air. Air is insubstantial. Air is something that unless you really put to it, you can't see it. But we know it's there. It's what keeps us alive. Uh, we breathe in oxygen and we uh, exhale uh, carbon dioxide. So it's um, something that is very important. It's a, it's a, it is a life giver in its own self. So you have those uh, various uh, things that are considered uh, elements. Uh, but then you move into the fact that we ourselves are elements. And that's where we get into the idea of um, uh, the Dwiyam. And the Dwiyam, let me bring something up here. If I can. Give me just a second here. Working with a little bit slower internet connection, so bear with me. Okay. All right. And these, I believe, the idea of the elements of the Dwia are things that uh, tie into uh, everything. So in other words, you've heard earth, air, fire, and water. Well, the elements of the Dwia and how it pertains to us are just as much of an elemental consideration than the big ones that we are used to. And another thing is that you have to think of the idea that um, the elements that we think of that, uh, you know, that we work with uh, classically as pagans, they exist in more than one realm. They exist on this plane, they exist in the other world, and they exist where the gods are. So it's also the idea of knowing that, um, and various realms and, and things like that, so that everything is not tied to one place. All all the, all the water, all the air, all the all the uh, earth, and all this are not tied to one uh, uh, dimension, one one space at one time. There are they are interlocked within many different um, uh, realms and such. So let me bring this up here. Got some. Um, so we have the idea of um, uh, um, let me see, okay. The Celts probably didn't use the same system as the way that we do now. And for we know, and for we don't, what we don't know for sure, um, it was used, um, uh, some of these elements were used by medical doctors of their time to help assess, uh, 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 assess a patient's health. Upon meditation within the system, you should see uh, its particular application over a broad base. What this means is it makes the system unique to what it is composed 
and what it is is composed of nine elements which the Celts believe were necessary for life. Take any of these elements away and life would cease, at least as we have been accustomed to it. This is a threefold system. It includes an internal action, an external action, and a directional point of view. And there, and there uh, being uh, nine elements in each of these three categories, uh, these are basically sacred numbers within sacred numbers. So, uh, so you have the, we're going to go through the elements of the dual first, and it's, it's going to be that first part. And this is the parts of our internal self. And we start with the face, our face. And then you think of the external idea of that is the sun. And the directional space that, that that inhabits is the south. The next part of the dwee that we that we look at is the mind, which is very important. The mind is influenced by the external, which is the moon, and the directional proportion for that is inward, inside. Our mind is inside of our body. It's one of the most important things that we have. That we have. It's what governs our daily life. It's how we do what we do. Next, we have the blood, like I was talking just a minute ago. Blood that circulates throughout our bodies. that keeps all of the nutrients and things that we need to be able to move and run and play and do all these different things. That is one very important thing that without it, we couldn't survive. We couldn't live. And the external element that that's tied to is the sea. And the directional point of view that that is tied to is the west. Next, we have the breath, which is, like I was talking a minute ago, the air, the breath, the air that we breathe. Um, it's uh, externalized as being the wind, the wind that moves things all over the world, the breezes, the four winds, the four winds that circle the globe. Um, that is very important. You have the idea of um, that coming from the east. Next, we have the head. Um, and the head is the seat of all knowledge. Uh, it is one of the most important things when you talk about fire in the head. When we're talking about fire in the head, we're talking about inspiration. Fire in the head is the is the idea of the thing that gets us out of the bed out of bed in the morning and makes us excited to do the things that we do in life. So the head, um, the external element that 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 internal element is tied to, is the sky. And the sky, the directional element for that is above. Everything that we see in the sky is above us. Um, so that is uh, the directional for that. And then next we have uh, the, our hair. Our hair is an element. Um, the external that our hair is related to is the green world. Um, the trees, the, the plants, and everything that encircle the world. Um, the space, the directional space that that is tied to is outwards. And uh, next we have the one, another one of our biggest organs of our entire body, and that is our skin, our flesh. And the external element that is tied to is tied to the land. When you go outside and you step out there onto the grass and you see the trees and everything in front of you, this land that we stand, the upper crust of the land that encircles our planet is the flesh and skin 
of the Earth Mother herself. So that there is very important. But you also got to look at how it sets um, in the directional things. The sky is above. The land is below. And the thing that separates it is when we look out at sunrise as we see that horizon line, that division, that space that is a place that isn't a place, the horizon that divides magically above and below. Um, next, we have the very foundation of our body. And what is the foundation of our body? That's our bones. And bones are externalized in the idea of the stones, uh, the mountains, and everything that encircle the, the earth, the, the, the canyons and the rocky places all over the, the, the um, volcanoes and all these different places that are just great places of stone, even to a degree Stonehenge and some of the sacred circles out there that have been put together over the various millennia. Those are a part of that too. And the directional uh, that dire directional point of view that those are associated with is the north. And then lastly, and one of the most important, uh, whenever we talk, which we will talk about uh, in an upcoming class, we're going to talk about the idea of um, the Irish Druidic uh, idea of reincarnation which I've talked about before in the idea of the Oversoul, the Anamkara, one life, many incarnations. Well, that that spark that started us many hundreds of years ago, or thousands of years ago, it's our spirit, and that is the last, that's the last internal uh, element that we have um, that defines us. So you have face, mind, blood, breath, head, hair, flesh, bones, and spirit. And you put that all together, and that makes a whole man. That makes a whole woman. We are spiritual beings. We are more than the sum of our parts. We, our families are more than the sum of our parts. Uh, when you think of the idea of, um, and the directional for uh, the external for that, the spirit is the clouds. The external uh, uh, point of view for that particular part of the duya is clouds, and the directional is through because the spirit is goes through in and through us, all the way through us. But you also have to look at the idea of um, that. Even though we are the more than the sum of our parts, even our families are more than the sum of our parts. Our mothers, our fathers, our brothers, our own children. Uh, anything that has ties to our blood and our bone and everything else, those are, so whenever you think of a mother and her children, and you know how that does those ties by blood, but that really is whenever she sees her daughter going to play or she goes and sees her son at a basketball game or whatever, that is an extension of her, and that is incredible. That's why, you know, a lot of people say, well, why do you, why do you follow these these pagan traditions and and all of this kind of stuff? Because for me, I don't know for, for anybody else, I can't speak for anybody else, but for me it's the idea that there's so many things that are uh, answered a lot better in my mind um, by the traditions that come 
out of paganism and you know druidry and all these other things because you look at some of the monotheistic traditions and how they uh, look at the ideas of life and so on and so forth and uh, it's more of a it's more of a control thing it's more of a game it's more of who has the power to keep you in check and all these other things but when you really look outside of the myths and legends of the things that we deal with and druidry it's the idea that it's not about control it's about existence it's about how we exist from this life to the next it's about how we deal with uh, things uh, um, here as spiritual beings because of the fact that spirituality has purpose it's not like you just sit there and you say okay I'm gonna be spiritual so you're sitting there and you say you're gonna be spiritual and nothing's happening whenever you're actively engaged in spiritual practice or spiritual thought or whatever things are are happening things are turning in your head energies are being moved around the the earth and in the other planes and in the other world and in the realms of the gods and all these different things and that's why I do it because I know that there are so many different things that are uh, moving that are always moving within us so whenever you think of the idea of what you know in general paganism um, and Wicca and witchcraft and other things as how they deal with elemental systems and then you go through what we just talked about and we're going to be talking about other things that kind of tie into that here in just a minute but it it's a, it's a, it's a better package it's there's more things that you can grasp onto and that you can say okay well I can understand this how do I manifest that better in my life? how do I manifest my spirit to others better how do I manifest my spirit to myself better how do I influence what's going on in my head the fire in the head the inspiration that Emerson talked about um, and these different things and so when you start to realize that these things are spiritually out there then um, you kind of get an idea of uh, why we would do the things we would do why we wouldn't necessarily hold the values of what the monotheistic traditions do because those monotheistic traditions are kind of in a closed loop whenever you step outside and you look at the world and you kind of think of that in a spiritual uh, spiritual uh, incarnation that loop is busted open because there are so many things that are beyond what a mono system could deal with just by going outside seeing how nature works seeing how human nature works seeing how tribal and societal things work in the way that we do things and looking at how tribal and societal things have changed since the Celts came into Ireland and the various other places that they did it's been a lots and lots of change in different degrees and in different directions over the millennia and I think that's why it attracts us not just me but it attracts us to pagan spiritual traditions and for those of you that are here today 
it's kind of what would attract you to the juridic side of things because we're not being hemmed in, we're not being forced into a cage of just one or two ideas and that's what we're stuck with. With the juridic side of things, we're given a chance to explore and to work a little bit more outside of what we would as an individual. Right now, we've got almost 300 people here. Holy cow. Can you guys hear me okay? Um, if you can't, also, if you have any questions about what I'm talking about, please feel free to type them in and I'll answer as best as I can. We're going to start to talk about uh, some other things here in just a second. We're going to be talking about the idea of cauldrons and what they are and how they uh, pertain to us uh, in a Celtic and Druidic uh fashion. I'm going to get a drink here real quick. And I hope everyone that's joined me tonight is having a good night and everything is going great with your families. Oh, that's nice. Oh. But uh, in a recent class, we talked about the gods. And at the very top of the order, we have the Doida, which is the Doctor, and we have Danu. And one of the things that I talked about is that the Doida has uh, a cauldron, and it is called Undri. And Undri has the power of life and death. And that's basically what a cauldron does have, is the power of life and death. A cauldron is what was carried from place to place um, by tribes and various groups and families and things. And that's what they cook their meals in, food and, and taking from the land and, and the forest and things and cooking those meals uh, that sustained us. Uh, the idea of the uh, cauldron is a, um, it's a very magical thing. Um, also the idea that uh, the Dagda's cauldron, Undri, was used to feed armies in battle. But also, it was said at the same time, not only would it sustain armies in battle, but whenever a, uh, a soldier was killed, that its body could be placed inside of Undri, the cauldron, and that after a time, uh, the magic of the cauldron and the, and the, the life-sustaining uh, gruel that was inside of it would cause the uh, um, uh, soldier that had been placed into it to uh, revive and to crawl out to fight another day. So it's kind of a, a Celtic version of reincarnation, of being reborn. So, um, uh, you know, that's very uh, uh, important. We have to look at the, the natural side of the things is that we are people from the beginning of time uh, that we hunted and we gathered and we shot deer and we hunted birds and did these different things and over time as we uh, grew in, um, in like scientific ability to be able to forge metals to make cauldrons in the first place um, Iron Age and, and the Golden Ages of, of you know metalworking and things like that the the cauldron became very important it also held water um, uh, cauldrons called krata were used to uh, various sizes were used to hold mead and wine and things like that so they were very important and the idea is that 
we are a type of cauldron too. We hold knowledge, our bodies and our minds. Uh, we are repositories of um, sacred knowledge. Whenever we study, whenever we learn something, the things that we learn are placed in the cauldrons um, that we have that are, are part of our being and they are what move us forward. And we're going to start talking about some of the cauldrons. Let me get something here real quick. Okay, let me do this. All right. You look at your body and I don't know how many here have studied the uh, chakras. The chakra system has many. You have the crown all the way down. You have this, you have these many different points of, of energy that are associated with um, the chakras. Well, for us within the Celtic realm, within the Druidic realm, we have the, 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 the three cauldrons. You have the cauldron of the head, you have the cauldron that sits within the, the middle space of our bodies, and then we have the cauldron that sits uh, below our groin and in between uh, the, the spread of our legs. And at different times, uh, spiritually, they are in different uh, modes of flux. Sometimes all of our cauldrons will be aligned to an upward face, meaning the lip, the, the part that you would put the, the, the food or water in, will be facing upwards. And that is a different kind of alignment within our body. And then you have the idea that sometimes, spiritually and magically, you're going to have it where one cauldron will be uh, orientated with its mouth and turned on its side uh, to one direction. The other in the middle could be facing up and then the bottom one. They could be dis basically any combination of different uh, directional focuses uh, depending on the, uh, the, the situation. Um, within our existence and, and how we're working. Um, and the cauldrons are considered also uh, cauldrons of inspiration. They are the things that basically um, uh, uh, I don't know, it's 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 that thing that that keeps us full. That keeps us being able to, to, to work. And um, uh, notable uh, Celtic uh, cauldrons include the cauldron of the Dogda, which we were just talking about, which uh, leaves no one unsatisfied. Um, the cauldron of Donich, which uh, will not serve cowards. The cauldron of Bran the Blessed, which... Um, uh, uh, is kind of the cauldron of rebirth. You have the Welsh cauldron of Caradwin, which confers knowledge. These properties are also found in the cauldron's later manifestations of, the, of cauldrons from Gaul, conferring plenty, healing, and spiritual wisdom. Um, the prime roles of these cauldrons in Celtic tradition are to bestow nourishment, to confer status, and to govern the reception and dispensation of knowledge and inspiration. 
and it is the last role which concerns us since um, the mysteries of these bodily cauldrons uh, are what inspires us as practitioners. Um, inspiration, um, which is Imbus in Ireland and Awen in Britain, which uh, um, a lot of Irish Druids now kind of do uh, go by the idea of Awen itself, but um, Imbus is almost exactly the same thing. There are some differences, but it's pretty much the same thing. Um, Okay, let me get some here. This was written by Amergen. Um, and this text is, it's kind of highly technical, um, but it talks about uh, uh, the divisions of what is extracted poetically. Um, and uh, it's... Uh, kind of an, a, a poetic representation of the cauldrons and the awen, the three line, the three rays, that symbol that we use within Druidic ritual and tradition, it ties into that as well. And this is what it says. I need to get a little light over here where I can see a little bit better. Let's try and get that up there. Okay. My own cauldron, cauldron of warning, God given from the mysterious elements, uh, Ennobled in the belly from which pours forth the oral utterance. Amergen, white knee am I, blue tattooed skank and a beard of gray. My cauldron of warming serves up multiplicity of forms in many colored verse. Not equally does God distribute gifts to each person, but some included and some inclined, some prone, some supine, some empty, some half full, some full of knowledge like Aber and Don creating their verse with innumerable chantings in masculine, feminine, feminine, and neutral, in signs denoting double consonants, long vowels, and short vowels. This is the functioning metricality declared by the votary of this cauldron. I sing of this cauldron of knowledge, which the law of the art is dispensed, which, goes, which gives boundless treasure, which magnifies each artist in general, and gives each person its gifts. Um, the lore of the three cauldrons um, is the source of a poetic art is it in the body or the soul. Some say the soul since the body is one with it. Others say the body since it stems from a fighting from a fitting source from father and grandfather. Um, the cauldrons have names. The first cauldron is the cauldron of, war of warning. It's born face up in a person, first of all, for it is, for it is learned and it is distribu distributed to all people in early youth. The cauldron of vocation then increases after it has been activated. It is originally present on its, on its side in each person. So this cauldron, you have them sometime where they are relatively um, perpendicular but this one is presented on its side um, and does not attain the same level of, of as as proficiency as it would because the cauldron a vocation is ups, upside down for them to you to as it is converted by uh, sorrow or joy um, one of the things that uh, 
what I'm looking at here kind of alludes to, and we're going to get out of that for just a quick second, is the idea um, that we can influence our own cauldrons. And what that means is sometimes a life event, um, a spiritual event, uh, a reckoning of some kind can change and alter the position of our cauldron of warning, our cauldron of vocation, and these other things. But it's also by our actions, by our deeds, by our thoughts, and how we work in the, th in the realms of this earthly world, the other world, how we work with the gods. It, we have the ability to inf inflect and to change the direction of each of the cauldrons. And that's something that uh, if you have a cauldron on, there, on your altar, uh, I highly recommend that you start to work with that as a meditational device. And as a matter of fact, if you're looking to get cauldrons, there's many places. I mean, you can go to uh, Ace Hardware and they have real cast iron cauldrons that are beautiful. Uh, many pagan places online that sell druidic and general pagan cauldrons. You can get beautiful ones of all types and descriptions. Um, but I think here eventually within the next few weeks we might uh, go ahead and I'll set up the altar and we'll do a, a cauldron invocation because I do have a couple of things that we can use for cauldrons and kind of get those that want to start working with their inner self because all of this ties together and why we're talking about this tonight and the elements and things is getting ourselves prepared for greater things down the line. Um, you have to uh, get your muscles in shape to be able to run a marathon. You can't just go out buy a pair of Nikes and run 27.2 miles and not be dead by mile five without training and work and psyching yourself up to be able to go out and run the distance and do the things that you need to do. And focusing on ourself, it's not focusing on ourself to be selfish at the, uh, at the exclusion of everything else. It's focusing on ourselves so that we can do better for others and to do better for the earth and things like that. So, like for those of you that are nurses, when you focus and get, uh, you know, spiritually working within yourself um, to do these things with the elements and the cauldrons and things like that, whenever you're emboldening and uh, changing your outlook on life and stuff, whenever you go into those hard situations, the hospital, and wherever you might work at within the healthcare field, you're giving yourself a little bit of a boost energy because sometimes you can go through all these situations that after an amount of time, it can be very weighing on your on your heart. It can weigh on your mind because you're dealing with so much destruction and things. But then you look at the other side of it, those that are working in maternity wards, the joys of life, I mean, there was a time when I had taken uh, courses through Job Corps to be a CNA, and my practicum was uh, working and prepping women for um, uh, for for um, birth. And I mean, as a guy, I was a little bit you know embarrassed on certain things, but after a while, and I did get to um, suit up and put the mask on and be there for certain births and things. And then after the fact, I had to help the nurse with different things for our babies. And then as they got a little bit older, there were ones that were in uh, kids that had various things that they were sick for that they came in. They had a pediatric unit next to where the uh, uh, maternity ward was. And I got to go in and read 
books to the little kids and take them from their room to like a little kid's cafeteria area where they could be with other little children and eat and things like that. And you know, after seeing the things that so many people go through, heart attacks and and you know, uh, automobile accidents and things like that, there is joy in a hospital. When you see smiling little kids, you know, that are there that, you know, even though they might not have a good prognosis for whatever, that you're there reading them a story and they just are just looking up at you all bright eyed. I was in my twenties. It was it was beautiful. Um but the thing that kind of took me out of the uh, ability to work within the healthcare field because there was something within my mind that I'm a people person. I, I tend to, uh, you know, gravitate towards, you know, people. I get, I become very in the feels with somebody. If I really like you and, you know, I've known you and you become a friend, I become very attached to you in various ways. And I came to the point that even you know, working in a nursing home with somebody that was venerable and about ready to move on to their next part of their life, I couldn't do it because I couldn't stand to know that one day I could come in and that person wouldn't be there anymore. I know that it's a part of our existence, but back then there it just I couldn't I couldn't do that because it would just become so intense from so much loss and things that I moved on to other realms, to doing other things. But to the people that are out there that are doing that now, as we speak, I give them props because it's something that not everybody can do. No, not everybody has the fortitude to do that. And that's why we're spiritual beings. We don't do it to get candy bars and cool new cars and things like that. If we're, if, you know, if we're honest about it, there are some that probably do that. They're the paycheck people that want all the cool things that you can get from being pagan and druid and, and magical and all that. But, you know, seeing the way things are and getting to the age that I am, I'm going to be 53 here in just a couple short months. And it's like, you know, your priorities change. So that's what we're talking about this tonight. Because the cauldrons that are inside of us and that are part of us are things that, you know, do have an influence uh, on how we go. It has an influence on where you want to be. Druidically, do you want to be a bard? Do you want to sing songs? Do you want to do song spells? Do you want to tell stories? Do you want to write novels? Do you want to do all these things? Is that what is your passion? Are you one of these people that are into healing, into herbs, helping people, looking into the future, seeing what is down the road, not for just yourself, but for those that you love and that are around you, okay? So you have that. You have the seer side of things. Um, so that's a part of you too. Then you have those that are dedicated to service. The druidic side. The ones that bring people together for ritual at the various times of the year. Uh, high, high days and not high days. Um, and work magic. And that is what I've been brought to uh, since 1993. You know, all the way up to now. I've been involved in druidry now longer than I was involved in general paganism because of the fact that for me Druidry has more more of a uh, a, a payoff in knowing that I'm getting to kind of help other people you know find themselves uh, helping other people be able to uh, work with the gods to do divination to do these different things 
It's like helping people that are on crutches learn to kick those crutches away and walk and advance and take that path and let the path take them where it's meant to go to lead them in different places. And you know, it's kind of hard. You know, some people are great at doing what I do and so many others do within the pagan movement, so many that do it within the druidic movement. And then you have people that are just basically um, happy with attending ritual and not really going up into those other echelons of study and things like that. And that's good too because sometimes people just need to be um, spiritually fed, you know, fed from that cauldron of Andre from the Doida that sustains us. Sometimes you just need to hear something that says, we're here, we're in the forest, the trees are watching, the trees are hearing our thoughts, and just, you know, all these different things. Because sometimes I've been to rituals and things that I've personally ran, you know, priested, and people said, you know, I wasn't feeling so great mentally and stuff before we did this ritual, but afterwards I'm kind of in a better place. And I like that. I like to hear that because it lets me know that there is, you know, that people are connecting with the situation, that they are able to, um, uh, you know, understand what it's about. Because some people, if they don't, they're just going to be there. They're going to be like, basically like a bump on a log. And they're not going to, you know, really reap any, reap any benefit for themselves for it. The energy that a priest puts out during a ritual isn't supposed to be for the, for him or her. It's supposed to be for those that are in circle that are in that sacred space, because it is a sharing of energy for everybody for whatever the for whatever the ritual is. So whenever we do these things, when we're talking about the cauldrons and we're talking about the elements and stuff and how we work with them in meditation and working with them with the ogham and the trees and these different things it's stuff that's very important because it allows us to advance and to move down the road and to get a little bit closer to the place we want to be and one of the cauldrons that we've been talking about is the cauldron of vocation that thing that inspires us and we have a thing here that says hear the words of need mcgodney the cauldron of vocation sings with insights of grace and measures of knowledge with streams of inspiration and an estuary of wisdom, a confluence of knowledge, a stream of dignity, giving exaltation of the lowly, uh, uh, mastery of eloquence, royal discernment, sovereign insight, a poetic lineage to cherish students. It is as, as, it is as if where laws are regulated, where meanings are recited, where musical runs are where music where musical runes are chanted where knowledge is propagated where the fireborn are taught where the bound are set free where the nameless win fame where praise is related by measured regulation by distinct degrees with pure measures of immunity and the eloquence of sages a confluence of scholarship the noble brew in which it is boiled the stock of each ancient knowledge it is established by rote it is enriched by diligence it is fermented by inspiration it is overturned by joy it manifests through sorrow it is an enduring power whose protection never ebbs thus sings 
the cauldron of uh, uh, vocation. So you have the idea of what I've just talked about before that was what the idea of our cauldron of, of vocation is about. And then you have uh, the gifts of the cauldron, which we're going to talk about those now. The nine gifts of the cauldron, the cauldron of vocation, gives and is replenished, promotes and is enlarged, nourishes and is given life, enables and is exalted, requests and is filled with answers, sings and is filled with song, preserves and is made strong, arranges and receives arrangements, maintains and is maintained. Good is the well of this measure. Good is the abode of speech. Good is the confluence of power. It builds up our strength. It is greater than any domain. It is better than any inheritance. It's numbers and it numbers us among the wise and we then depart from the ignorant. That is just so cool when you really think about it. Um, it's saying right there that you know that there's a reason for our, our, our cauldrons. Um, that they are not just abstract things that are there. They have purposes. Those nine gifts show that the cauldrons that we have um, are are there for a reason. And the three cauldrons are named the cauldron of the head is the cauldron of knowledge. The cauldron that is in our center area is called the, the our cauldron of vocation. And then the one that is below our groin and at our feet is the cauldron of warming. And basically the cauldron and their and their uh, their vocations and knowledge is you have warming, the vocation and knowledge and where they are located is uh, the warming is our belly and our womb. The vocation cauldron is our heart and our solar plexus and the cauldron of knowledge is our head. And the health that we gain from them are uh, the cauldron of warming gives us vitality that is physical. Um, the cauldron of vocation gives us emotional and psychic he, uh, health. And then the cauldron of knowledge gives us spiritual health. The thing that allows us to flex our muscles and to get stronger and to move forward magically. Um, uh, and they are tied to the gods as well. Um, they have uh, 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 they have various things that are um, kind of given the gifts. The nine gifts of the cauldron come from the three cauldron texts. Are the, the the ideas of what they are is poetry, which is sings and is filled with song, reflection which is the maintains and is maintained. Meditation, which is preserves and is made strong. Lore, which is promotes and is enlarged. Research, which is requests and is filled with answers. Great knowledge is, which is gives and is replenished. Intelligence, which is arranges and receives arrangements. Understanding, which is nourishes and is and is given life, and lastly is wisdom, which is enables and is exalted. So, having said that, it's just like there's a lot there. There's a lot to digest, and what I'm going to do 
is here within the next day or two, I need to start breaking down some of the classes that I've done. And we're going to put links to various uh, uh, sites and texts and things that deal with this so that you can look at it yourself and kind of start going over it and kind of learning these things for yourself. But right there, that's just a little snippet of, of what this entails. And you've got to realize that these things are influenced not just where we are here on the physical plane, but they influence what's going on with the ancestors in the other world, and it influences what goes on with the gods and the spirits that are in the uh, uh, the realm, the sky realm. That is, but we have land, sea, and sky. You have those things that are covered this way as well. And I think that it's good to kind of figure out what we have to do and what we have to be before we start to go on the path because if we don't take the time to learn about this kind of thing and, and see how we are as spiritual beings we become confused and we become meandering and those kind of things when you don't really take the time to work on yourself and to you know kind of figure out what the cauldrons are for you and the idea of the elements of the doya and stuff like that it makes it easy for us to go off the path to fall down uh, to get discouraged about life and things so these little bits that we're excuse me that we're talking about tonight is what is going to help us uh, move through into the future and speaking of that we're almost done here but what we're going to talk about for a minute holy crap we're at almost 600 people I love y'all I hope you guys are having a great night give me a thumbs up if you've if you've gotten anything substantial out of what we've talked about tonight and we're gonna be a little bit more in the next class um, the next class you gotta have a starting point with your spiritual space and everybody's asking well how do I do altars and what's the reason why druids wear white robes and, and the sickle and the crane bag and all these other things so what we're gonna do our next class is going to be about druid ritual the altar and the things that make druids druids um, you know the classic things that people see and have seen and heard about what we are and we're going to talk about the truth of some of that and we're going to talk about a little bit of the fallacies of some of that um, and so you're going to learn about what it means to set up your own sacred space whether it's indoor or outdoor and the differences between various things that go on in an indoor sacred uh, area as compared to what goes on if you have a space for an outdoor uh, setting as well. Um, the ideas uh, behind uh, why the Druids were always seen as old white men with long white beards and, and white robes uh, with the sickle and doing these different things. We're going to talk about all of that. We're going to go over each of the, the, the different tools. We're going to go over why certain things are placed certain ways uh, within within various traditions not everybody does everything the same way um, but that's good diversity is is great because it shows that everybody can learn from everybody else and that everybody has a kind of knowledge that is different which is good you know we don't want to be cookie cutters we don't want to do the same things um, also I have a question for you guys just out of curiosity um, on Sundays we've been doing things like we've done ogham readings and we've done meditations and things like that and I was thinking about possibly um, doing things where we get together on Sunday nights 
and we might have some Druidic poetry reading. Um, I can talk about other, you know, different talk topics, kind of like I have a Druidic discussions kind of thing where it's not necessarily so much directed as being a class. And what we would do is we do it just like we did this last week. Sundays at 7 o'clock, half hour, 45 minutes, whatever it turns out to be. We could, you know, have all kinds of things that we can go over. I think one of the things, because I do have a little bit of a bardlick, bardlick, bardic bent, is I think what we will do is uh, talk about some of the sacred texts that have a lot of very influential stories and poetry and kind of give you guys something to look into because I know so many of you out there are writers, uh, writers of poetry, writers of epic novel you know you're writing in your head and writing for real epic novels epic stories of things that come to your mind as a matter of fact I encourage you guys that are out there if you're hearing me that if you are a writer catch me on Facebook message me or whatever and if you'd like to show me some of your your poetry some people are very possessive about their stuff and I can understand that but if you have something that you would like my opinion on or that you just want to share because you're just so influenced and proud of how it just came to you sometimes poetry it isn't something that you just you read a poem and then you write something else because you know that poem right there is you know that's the way you do things sometimes I've written poetry after getting out of the shower I've written poetry after ritual I've written poetry before ritual I have books in my bedroom that I've got poetry that I've written and stories and things um, you know like that and I recommend also as your spiritual practice that if you have verses or things that come to mind, part of that little book that I talked about that everybody should have is just a you know a ring three ring binder or something with some no lines on it, and just take time to write stuff down. You know, write a verse, write a story, write a song, write a spell. You know, all these different things because that gives you a chance to express yourself and to um, you know just you know do the things that. Uh, you know, interest you within Druidry. So I'm thinking that we'll do something like that. We might call it Oak Leaves and get together just once a week and just talk. And, uh, you know, I might read a story or I might read something out of a book, a passage from a book or something like that. Just, you know, for us to get a little bit more acquainted and to give you guys inspiration and ideas for things that you might want to do uh, through the week. Um, also, um, I'm one of those people that I like to be able to help the community. So also, if you're having issues at home, you're depressed, or you're angry about things, or you're having trouble uh, dealing with, you know, being cooped up with your family, or all these different things, and you need a, a fresh perspective on things. If you're having dreams that you don't understand uh, and stuff, and you kind of want a fresh perspective on what those might be. Feel free to contact me, message me, and I'll do what I can to help you kind of figure those things out. Also, if you're out there and you've never uh, uh, been a part of it, I recommend that if you'd like to, please feel free to come on over to Missouri Druid School here on Facebook and give us a little uh, uh, drop-in note and I'll get you added to the group. We've got a bunch of really cool people um, that are there and they're wonderful and we're having new people come in all the time they're adding new perspectives and things that are uh, important to Druidry also 
Um, this, what we're going to do is here in just a few minutes after we close this down, I'm going to take and I'm going to process this video. It'll take about 30 minutes, 40 minutes, something like that. And then once this is finished processing, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put it on to my uh, YouTube channel. And if you'd like to, I uh, invite you to come check out my channel. It is A Pagan Perspective on YouTube. And uh, we've got videos of the last uh, classes. We've got videos of the meditations and the ogre readings and all these different things that we've done. We're going to have new stuff coming on, on the channel. Um, so I invite you to come check that out. And also uh, another thing that I'm going to keep telling you guys about until as, and we're getting closer. Um, our group, the Order of Standing Oak here in Springfield, has been for the last four years uh, been putting up a, uh, a get-together every year at Beltane called Beltane in the Park, and it's been wonderful. Our first year, it was just, uh, our first year was our biggest, but every year we have so many people that come to the various parks that we uh, have here in town and have gotten together and have done Beltane rituals and, and, and potlucks and drummings and kids, just pagans have a lot of kids, and we've had a lot of kids at the festival. We love it. Well, this year, because of the fact that we have this situation going on, we have a pavilion that holds 170 people that I paid for here a while back that we can't use because they're not allowing groups any no bigger than two here in this town. If, you, if they see three people, that's a $1,500 fine, or it can be a $1,500 fine. So we're going to kind of bypass that, and what we're going to do on May 2nd at 6 p.m., Maybe between between 5.30 and 6 p.m., I will come on here and we'll go live. And what we're going to do is we're going to have Beltane in the Park online. We're going to do it here because not everybody has a group to go to. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of people that are solitary and they've never, you know, partic participated in a Beltane situation, ritual, uh, pagan or druidic otherwise. So what we're going to do is we're going to get together, hang out eat a little food, talk, do that kind of thing, and then right at dusk, we're going to go ahead and have an online version of the Beltane ritual that we were going to have in the park. And this year, because of the fact that the last three years that we've been doing ritual, we've been focusing on, on us, the ancestors, the gods, that kind of thing, that it came to the point where I said, well, look, we've been doing this for these last years, this kind of time, to advance things and move things forward in, a, in another direction and the fact that we haven't acknowledged the Fae and the Fae are very important at Beltane and the in-between times at twilight between the other world and here is when a lot of things are manifested for fertility and for the coming year for the coming season of growth all the way up into the summer so it's very important that we acknowledge the Fae, the fairies and the various beings that are out there, the nature spirits. So what we're going to do is this year's ritual is called Fairies Beltane at Twilight. And the altar is going to be beautiful. Um, it just, trust me, it's beautiful. I am almost finished writing the ritual and I'm kind of adjusting it for an online format. But what I, I invite you to join us, that's going to be May 2nd here on Facebook and it's going to be live. And uh, if you want a little bit more information about that, you can go to Beltane in the Park. 
2020. It's an event listing that's here on Facebook, and the picture, the cover picture is a uh, image of the Fairy Queen, and so you can see that, and you can uh, look at that and kind of get more information about what that's going to entail. And so, yeah, we're going to be continuing doing classes. We're going to have uh, uh, lesson six coming up next Thursday. Same time, 7 p.m., we're going to be talking about druidic altars and the things that go with being, you know, that are tied to what a druid is, the crane bag, the whole nine yards. We're going to talk about that. And then I think this Sunday coming up, we're going to get together and just have our very first get-together of oak leaves and just talk and discuss things and, you know, uh, read poetry and maybe drum a little bit if my neighbor's gone. I'm hoping he's gone because uh, I can drum nominally uh, quiet enough to where nobody in the apartment complex would like get too pissy. But you know, it's time for us to come together during this situation. And it's a time for you to you know just come in and be pagan on Facebook for a little bit. So having said that, holy cow, we've got almost 700 people here. I appreciate it. the numbers that have been checking this out. I've been getting, you know, messages from people about how what they thought of this, and I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope that you got thumbs up. If you've got questions about anything, or if you want to know where to look for other things that might be tied to this, feel free to message me, and I'll give you as much information as I can. I don't necessarily know about everything, but we'll get you pointed in the right direction. And I'm going to take one more drink. And what we're going to do is we're going to end it like we started it, kind of level the energy out. And I hope that you guys have enjoyed the evening, um, have maybe learned just a little bit and given you guys some kind of inspiration to kind of figure out how to work on yourself, to work on your cauldrons, to learn more about how the elements of the Dwia are attached to who you are as a human and spiritual being, and how, you know, you can advance forward in the ideas of working as a bard, druid, or a Sierra You know, these things influence us. So what we're going to do is we're going to kind of just lean back. We're going to close our eyes. We're going to take a deep breath. And we're going to breathe deep and we're going to chant the ah wind three times. May the blessings of body, mind, and spirit be yours. I hope you guys have a great week. Be safe. Be careful out there. Hug your kids. Pet your dogs. All that good stuff. If you've got any questions, if you want to learn more, message me, friend me. Come to Missouri Druid School here on Facebook. And until Sunday night at 7 p.m. and then for Druid School 6, uh, join me this next Thursday, and I'll get this up and posted uh, and you know processed 
here in about 30 minutes or so. So until Sunday night at 7 o'clock, guys, uh, thumbs up, loves to everybody, and I will see you here soon.